Shift is brought to you by listeners like you, thanks to our Patreon members, patreon.com slash what the if. Go there now. Go there now and find out how you can become a member and get all kinds of cool rewards. Thank you for supporting our mission for science education and science fun. Welcome to What the If Radioactive Edition. How are you, Gabby? Gabby Panisi is here from Rockefeller University. I am good. I am not irradiated, but I am currently living with uh, Schrodinger's cats, um, i.e. the ones that I am babysitting for a friend of mine who you may hear bumping around in the back of the recording. Or if I suddenly make a noise, it's because I have a cat butt thrust into my face unexpectedly. You're very fascinated by this setup. Yes, cats love podcasts. In fact, that's how you know it's a podcast. Uh, I think it's a, that's like turning a bug into a feature. I would say now, you know, originally everyone tried to be like, tried to be like CNN, tried to be very professional at home. So the last thing you would want is cats jumping in on your show, because that would just never happen on CNN. But now I think it's what makes it charming. When I watch CNN, I'm bored because there's no cats jumping <laughs> in front of the camera. This happened a lot before, too. Wasn't there an episode where, like, Beaker, like, was cuddling? And by cuddling, I mean digging razor-sharp claws into Matt's neck during the podcast? Yeah. I feel like oh, yeah. yeah animal, animal attacks are not unheard of. Uh, of course, there's a famous story of Matt being attacked by a llama. The photo uh, that didn't that happen during great. the But, yeah. And there's photo evidence of it, which was the cover art. Speaking of Matt, Matt Stanley is uh, unfortunately not with us this week. He is uh, on assignment uh, at some kind of retreat. Either he's he's on retreat, either he was invading a country and he is now in retreat, or he is honored. I think it's more than the latter. He's honored. Details unclear. But, we uh, didn't ask further questions. History of retreat. Yeah, I can't wait to hear it to learn more. What happened? How, you know. How bad does the battle have to be for the history of science, historians of science to retreat? Probably not that bad. I would think that they... You know, I don't know. I guess it really depends what you're into, right? Because, I mean, you could have someone there who's, like, really into, like, old metalworking and that kind of science, and maybe they're just, like, you know, decked to the eyes. They they came to the retreat in full armor, full plate. Yeah, that's true. That would be great. So there's absolutely no segue possible, no matter how many multiverses we jump over, to our show today. But we have a very esteemed guest here with me in studio. We have never, ever, ever in the history of What the If, the history of the podcast going on four plus years now, ever been in the same room at the same time. In fact, I'm not even sure that Matt or Gabby, and you must feel the same about me, are actually sentient human beings. We've never, Matt and I have met in person in, in historical periods, but I don't Yeah, think you have no way to prove I'm not a really complicated computer program. It's true, we've never met in person, ever. Oh, and here- <laughs> The cat has entered which, the room. This is Elliot. Which, Elliot. And then Edgar's the other one. Elliot. Yes, they are named after writers. Thanks. <laughs> oh, that's very, very sophisticated. Yeah, the the one that has the uh, the two toes that are white, he's Edgar Allan Toe Beans. Um, so, because he's the only one that, like, that's how you tell him apart is, is the toes. Well, that's a shout out to Maryland. Uh, Edgar Allan Poe, one of the great residents of Maryland from a little bit earlier than when you and I were there. Uh, but we also have with us in studio a, a resident of Maryland of, of one time, at one time. And that is uh, my stepfather, uh, Dr. Frank Curley, PhD. Do you get other initials thrown after that? Oh, that's plenty. Just those three. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my mother, Marsha Curley, is also in studio, but doesn't have a microphone. <laughs> I don't know, you know, if I could have known growing up that could not give a microphone to mom, maybe that would have made things easier i don't know i don't know that's just a little ribbing that's a little family ribbing for you they're in-house um and uh but i was excited to have because they're visiting they're visiting they're coming to visit we're seeing each other for the first time since the covid pandemic oh wow at least two years in a very long time and in fact in that time you have you emigrated from florida to ohio which is really not a direction most people go 
but well, it's a, a, our new garden spot. That's right. That's Cincinnati, Ohio. Yes, Cincinnati. Which my love of radio. I must. I'm just going to throw this in. One of the reasons I love doing the podcast. I've loved radio growing up, and one of my great loves for radio has nothing to do with an actual radio station, but a television radio station called WKRP. Gabby, did you ever see the show WKRP? No, the name sounds vaguely familiar in the way that I'm sure I've heard my family mention it at some point, but alas, nope. I'm also, though, admittedly, I am terminally bad at watching television. I, if someone's like, See, have you seen something? Nope. That's why you have a real career in your <laughs> success. Whereas I just, I watch a lot of sitcoms. And I love that, in the entertainment, Phil, entertainment in, business. in a manner of speaking, that is your job, though. That's studying. It's true. It's true. It's true. It's true. Those who do know, those who do remember WKRP, uh, the television show, are, I'm sure, having warm feelings now of nostalgia, remembering it. And uh, if you would, Gabby, or if anyone else ever were to Google it and you came across the theme song for it, you will be singing. It's one of the more beautiful TV theme songs, I believe, WKRP in Cincinnati. You'll be singing it for the rest of your life. So getting to our topic, this is a ridiculously meandering path. Um, Dr. Curley, Frank was a, uh, uh, you'll give us the actual name of your profession. But when I was growing up, you were, uh, um, you killed cancer with radiation. That there's it's some, it's sort of a superpower. That's pretty much the description of what, what I was doing. As, yes. as a medical physicist, I was on the team uh, headed by the radiation therapist, that they call them radiation therapists, and now they call them radiation oncologists. Uh, now, why was it did they needed to upgrade their terminology? Get, probably because their, their paychecks went up and they had to. Uh, I, I, I hesitate to, to tell all the reasons. Well, there are people who uh, do the treatments, who are trained to treat patients, uh, who used to be called technologists, they uh, became known as therapists. The radiation therapists became known as oncologists. So there, there was a time when that, that uh, well, the medical physicist has always been a medical physicist. What can I say? It was a turf battle. It was a turf battle. And my mother is laughing because she was one of, you were a therapist, you were an yeah, oncologist. I was a technologist. You were a technologist. Yeah. yeah. So it's a it's an in-house turf battle over terminology. I was going to say oncology Gabby as is, a term I don't think was, like oncologist as a doctor, that specialty term didn't, like there was a period at which it actually had to be like defined. And I think it was like in the seventies, like after the seventies, then it became like oncologist was the term for the specialty doctor. Um, Cause I think before then they, they didn't have like actual like exams yet for like, this is the formal specialty exam for oncologists, I think. So the terminology probably it? changed. It's funny cause I see that on signs in the hospitals, of course, fortunately I've not had to go to that uh, department other than to visit you, fortunately, uh, no other purpose. But uh, what is what does that mean? Oncology is a strange word. The etymology, I, I really don't know, but it means it's treating cancer. Treating cancer, <laughs> treating cancer. Um, and Gabby, do you have any experience with this side of the bio biz? A little bit, yeah. So, I mean, in my undergrad, I worked on an uh, oncogenic virus, uh, so essentially a virus that causes cancer under certain situations, um, and actually was only really discovered as a virus um, through the cancer. Um, it was a really complicated thing. Uh, I've probably talked about KSHV before. Um, and then I, I did take some cancer bio classes in college, which were actually very interesting. Um, but as far as now, I don't particularly do really any of that work, although so the asterisk is that all the cell lines that we use in modern day science are basically cancer. Um, so you kind of have to know a little bit because when you're trying to use these cells as like a model for regular organisms, there's always the caveat that, well, this is a cancer. It's inherently a little messed up. Um, so you kind of have to know at least a little bit about some cancers in part because what you're working with is a cancer. That's interesting. I didn't know that. So uh, our if this week is... In we, we over the uh, few, four years or so that we've been doing this show, certain genres of if have developed, and this is one 
that I particularly enjoy. In fact, very briefly, Gabby, uh, we we even considered spinning off a show in this genre specifically, and that is what I call the fantastic voyage uh, genre, in which we get to shrink down, because this is how I attempt to learn science. I'm visually minded, and um, if I can't <laughs> visualize it, I have a tough time uh, understanding it. I have difficult, difficulty with abstract thinking. So uh, I have always wondered, I understand, I can understand why radiation would kill cancer. I can understand radiation killing things, but I've never understood how it works in specifically. And then of course, how it can be done safely, which is quite a fascinating uh, side of it too. So our if this week is, what the if? Let me do it again because I got to turn on the. Here's the music. What the if? You could have. Uh, what do you call it? Field side seat? Front row seat? Front row seat. For cancer being eliminated by radioactive beams. Probably the most unscientific thing I could imagine. Saying, Doctor, Doctor help us out. What if we get a front row seats? What? What? How big a stadium are we? Do we have to be sitting in? How small a stadium? All right. Let me talk a little bit about what radiation is doing. Um, an X-ray is a, a means to produce fast electrons in some place in the body. So it's those fast electrons, as they slow down, that are uh, affecting cells uh, and the nuclei of cells as they fly by. And they deposit energy in those cells and interfere with uh, the DNA in those cells so that they're ability to reproduce is uh, diminished. So the, an x-ray is just electrons mm -hmm. at a certain speed? No. Oh. <laughs> I'm already failing the class, Gabby. <laughs> an x-ray is, is light, high frequency, very right. high frequency light. Right. Uh, it has uh, fewer interactions with the, the body than the electrons do. The electrons are massive, they have a mass, and they uh, slow down, they are slowed down by the uh, atoms uh, and molecules in the body. And as they slow down, they're pa passing energy, their own energy is passed to those atoms, creating more electrons at, at slower energies that then uh, cross over top of the, the DNA in, in the, the center in the nuclei of the cells to affect uh, whether or not that uh, cell will be able to reproduce. So the X-ray, so, the X, the X-ray hits an electron. The X-ray interacts with an atom popping out an electron. Yes, got it. And it's absorbed by an. Uh, an electron in uh, as it passes by uh, an atom and that electron is popped out. That electron becomes a fast electron as it slows down uh, all along its track, it's bumping out more electrons. So the total amount of energy that the fast electron deposits uh, is spread out over some distance. Now, the uh, that's super cool, by the way. The 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 goal is to affect uh, in, in terms of treating cancer is to make it so that uh, the cancer cells can't reproduce anymore. So you have to have some kind of a, a breakage in the DNA to uh, prevent that cell to from uh, reproducing. 
So you were only using x-rays then to treat cancer. Was it more like stronger radiation that was used? This is something I actually don't know, like what type of radiation, how strong, what's the intensity? Um, yeah, the, the, uh, most of the, the treatments in uh, radiation therapy are done with machines that are producing x-rays uh, at, say, a level about uh, 10 MeV, between, between say, uh, 6 and 20 MeV, but in the middle there, 10, 10 to 12 MeV, that would be the range that, that most of the treatments are being done with. However, uh, there are some, uh, uh, the general term we use when we send the radiation in from a machine is external beam radiation. Some external beam radiation is just electrons, uh, which uh, do the same thing as those fast electrons I just talked about. Uh, what, but when you treat with electrons, you generally don't have the ability to treat uh, a great depth. So they're a, a different, uh, they have the realm, their own range of use in, in treatment. We treat things closer to the surface if you were just uh, treating with electrons. But most of the treatments that you hear about are, are done using uh, X-ray beams that are uh, collimated so that they only aim in the direction that you want them to go and uh, whose energy is, is appropriate for the type of treatment that you're going to do. Uh, higher energy X-rays have uh, a use that's a little bit different than a lower energy X-ray. Um, I'm just kidding. At that strength, how does that compare to like when you get a dental x-ray? Yeah. With dental x-rays, uh, uh, I'm used to the older units, but let's say that you're getting an x-ray from a dental machine that the, I haven't used the word dose yet, but I'll use it now. You get a dose on the order of, let's say, 10 to 20 MR millirem. Uh, a single treatment with x-rays for uh, cancer treatment can be on the order of, uh, let's say, 200 to 400 mm. R, rem. In the, you, that's a radiation safety term, but... but uh, so is that 10 times stronger or some higher magnitude? 100. I looked it up. Apparently, a dental X-ray is 0.5 milli, uh, millirem, so it's pretty small compared to what it seems like you're using to treat cancer. Oh, dental. Yes. Yeah. So on the order, if you're getting X-rays for for your uh, a chest X-ray, for instance, it's more on the order of uh, say 20 millirem. Cool. Cool. So, so Gabby, what would you, what, what's what part of that process would you find helpful to visualize and help us? How can you help us understand what's happening inside the, uh, I guess the DNA is where the action is? Yeah, so I think it's kind of important to talk about why this works against cancer, where it's not really, like why it's killing cancer specifically, right? Because if you bust up mm. DNA in any cell, that's gonna kill the cell. Um, cells have essentially all of these mechanisms to either fix damage or to kill themselves when they're like, I, it's gone too far, I don't know how to deal with this, I'm gonna potentially be cancer, so then they die. Um, it's called apoptosis, it's a really cool mechanism. Um, the thing about cancer cells though is their DNA is already structured very differently. Um, there's something called, I wanna say it's chromosomal crisis with cancer cells. Um, it, it's something crisis. Really, so cancer cells have a different kind of DNA. It's all DNA, as in physically, structurally the same. But if you think of the nice, neat chromosome arrangement that you've seen maybe from basic biology, all of the human chromosomes lined up nice and neat. They're all kind of X-shaped because um, they get them from mitotic cells. Um, what you'll notice is that cancer cells are busted. They've got way more of them. They've got pieces from one chromosome slapped onto another. Um, it's insane. It's kind of like the genetic equivalent of like just 
dumping the box of Legos, Legos out onto the floor as opposed to actually having them built into a nice, neat structure. Um, and sort of the side effect of this is that, you know, those rearrangements can be really important to helping a cancer cell grow. There might, it might combine two genes together that all of a sudden now the fusion is way, much, way more powerful. But because their genes are so weird, it makes replication kind of a problem, right? And one of the things that often has to get removed in cancer to, in order to get them to that, you know, crazy wonky DNA stage that's actually very beneficial is that they have to remove the breaks that, you know, the, when a cell gets to that crazy point, it'll put on the brakes and it'll say, can we fix this? And if we can't fix it, they'll die. But in a cancer cell, it doesn't have the brakes. It doesn't have the thing that stops it and says, can we fix this or should we die? So what happens is, is when you mess up the DNA like that, the cancer cell can't replicate anymore. It can only die. It can't use that fragmented DNA for making the genes it needs because all of a sudden there's a gigantic gap in the DNA that's, you know, been physically broken. The uh, transcription can't work. It can't make mRNA. It can't turn that into protein. Um, but for normal cells, they have the tools to fix it. Um, and so it's why radiation is sort of staggered. Um, so your normal cells have the time to fix the damage and sort of proceed as normal while the cancer cells go into crisis and they just die. Uh, another aspect of this is you're, you're correct. Uh, you have normal cells involved in the whole process. And one way to get around that is to aim from different directions. So the insult to normal tissue is spread around. And uh, the, um, the earliest attempt at using radiation for, for treating cancer just involved very low energy x-rays, which did not penetrate very deeply and tended to give a huge amount of radiation to normal tissue. So you, between where you started and where you wanted to to do the treatment. And so that, that limited your ability <clears throat> to deliver enough energy to the cancer cells to have an effect on them. Uh, in the uh, 40s and 50s, with the advent of um, uh, the ability to uh, uh, create different isotopes in uh, um, with nuclear fusion. They, they uh, introduced an isotope of cobalt, so that's called cobalt-60, produced in reactors, that had a, a, a photon energy that was high enough so that you could reach a, a greater depth in the body. And that was sort of really the birth of the use of radiation effectively for treating cancer. And usually the treatments were with cobalt, cobalt-60, uh, would were from, uh, say, two different directions, from the, the front and from the back. And uh, you, that way the uh, largest amount of radiation was delivered uh, to the region you wanted to treat which tended to be in the middle. Um, then uh, uh, accelerators, uh, the accelerator technology where uh, electrons are accelerated to a very high energy and uh, slammed into a, uh, a target to create high energy x-rays, <clears throat> they uh, produced uh, the kind of radiation that could treat to even greater depth. So you can, you can uh, use the radiation coming in from many different angles and uh, deliver a very high amount of radiation to what you want to treat with uh, tolerable levels uh, to the rest of the body. Um, I was gonna ask you, so for those of us, in the, for those in the audience who are fortunate, this isn't if you wouldn't wanna have to experience Right. So for those who are fortunate enough not to have had to have had to witness uh, either personally or someone they know getting uh, the treatment, what do um, I'm, I'm curious if we would just look at the machines themselves, what would it look like 
that, that you're, be, you're treating, you're using to treat uh, the patient with. Just looking at, at what they looked like when you began your career and when was that, and what they looked like, let's say, when you retired, how had they advanced or did the machines look similar in structure? Someone who's being treated, the, train, the machines really don't look that much different. It's uh, a U-shaped uh, device that, uh, where radiation comes out, comes out of one side, and the other side of it has uh, an absorber that prevents the radiation from going uh, elsewhere in the, in the world. Mm -hmm. um, and that uh, is rotated around a table that someone who's being treated would be, would be lying on. Uh, the, that basic design uh, holds pretty much. <laughs> there are some computer-driven uh, devices these days that can, can do things in a, a bit fancier way uh, that might look a little bit different, but generally this is what you'll see, some kind of a a device being rotated around you to to try to uh, isolate the region that you want to want to treat and uh, deliver uh, a uh, a preserving type of radiation elsewhere in the body. So the normal tissues have, as Gabby has said, normal tissues have a chance to repair themselves from the smaller damage you're doing to to them. It is, it is one, having seen it, it is one of the most science fiction things I can imagine. I mean, literally, you sit under a device that rotates around you that, you know, with great uh, smoothness and <laughs> sophistication, obviously, because someone like yourself has programmed it or whatever, and uh, it's treating the patient with invisible, <laughs> invisible uh, technology. Uh, Gabby, what, what, what would you like to know? Yeah, I was kind of curious. What questions do you yeah, you, yes. you've mentioned that, you know, there's different isotopes that you can use for different depths, but what's the, the range that we're talking here? Um, going from just, you know, x-rays, starting to use the different isotopes that penetrate deeper, you know, is this an inch, two inches into the an body? Isotope. Tell us what, it, so what's an isotope? Oh, an, an isotope is a... Uh, uh, A, an, an atom, a, a, what can I say, a chemical that has, an atom that has more neutrons in it than uh, the, the radioactive isotopes. So it will have more neutrons in its nucleus than, uh, let's say, the, the uh, naturally occurring types. The non-radioactive isotope would have generally fewer neutrons in it than the, the radioactive neutrons, no, radioactive uh, nuclei. Right. Or basically, but basically it, just just real quick for the those like me can keep up. It's you have an you have an, an atom which is of, of a particular element and it has a certain number of neutrons and protons in the nucleus. It is actually possible to have to add perhaps a little bit more neutrons into that element and it's still that element, but it's an isotope of the original. So a little bit different. Yeah. I don't want you to get the idea that most of the treatments are done with radionuclides. Yeah. Most of the treatments are done uh, by using something that uh, is radiation from outside the body. Uh, when, you turn the, when you turn it off, the body doesn't carry that radiation. So people who are treated uh, in radiation therapy are not radioactive. That, that's why I like to use the term external beam rather mm -hmm. rather than radioisotope treatments. Mm -hmm. I'm generalizing quite a bit, but uh, that's pretty much uh, the, the nature of the treatments and how they're done. And what's the what's the depth um, that you can get to with the external beam? Like, since you mentioned, you know, having to move it different ways and that there's a, a limit on how far it can go. Are you talking like a couple of inches? I mean, the human body is only so big. Um, so what's the reach into a human being? Uh, with the beams that they're using, you can go anywhere. Oh, that's pretty cool. If you, uh, the, uh, 
what you try to do is to come from different directions, as I mentioned before, that you're, there's always normal tissue in the way, but you have to, to minimize the dose that you're giving to the normal tissues, so you come from different directions. Uh, so a big part of how they do radiation therapy uh, involves uh, localizing the region that needs to be treated. This is one of the biggest uh, dilemmas in in radiation treatment. Uh, the physician has to use every uh, diagnostic tool at his disposal to say this is where we need, this is where the, the, the cancer is and this is where we need to do the treatment. And uh, then the, uh, the design of the treatment uh, has to take into account how the, how the physician has uh, identified where, the, where you want to treat. And then you design your treatment in terms of directions of treatment, uh, shape of the treatment, uh, timing of it, uh, a number of different parameters that you have to take into account and come up with the right treatment to, to give uh, the, the size dose that the physician wants to deliver. Now, dose, I, I didn't define the word dose, but uh, over the years, the uh, medical community has determined that something called dose, which is amount of energy delivered per, per, uh, per gram, let's say, uh, in, a, in a region, um, that uh, result in um, this array of, of fast electrons and their um, subsequently deposited tracks uh, will leave. So you, you need to uh, deliver a certain dose throughout a region that's defined by the physician in order to have an effective treatment, limiting the dose to the normal tissues. Cool, cool. Um, in, uh, in your career, was there, or there may have been multiple moments like this, but what were some of the moments in particular where you saw an advancement and you were just like, wow, <laughs> I can't believe we can finally do that? Oh, gosh. One... Um, uh, one of the early tools for uh, uh, limiting the dose to normal tissues was to be able to put blocks in different places in a uh, radiation beam. Uh, as you might think, if you, if you create a radiation beam, it, it spreads out in many directions. You, you need to confine it and use, uh, in, in those days we used lead blocks, uh, to uh, limit the, the size of the radiation zone that you're treating. Um, one of the advances that happened was to be able to uh, do that blocking in the machine itself, not, not put not uh, add blocks on top of the machine, but to limit the, uh, the, the, the gadgets that you call in the machine that do this are called collimators. And if you uh, split the collimators up into segments and by computer control design the shape you can then design the shape of the beam that you're treating externally without having to create uh, a, a separate set of blocks for each patient. So um, uh, that was one of the, uh, a big advance. Do you remember? Do you do you remember when you first heard that that was going to be possible, or the first time a machine like that arrived? This this was in the eighties. That was in the 80s when that happened. Um, and what was your reaction? 
Well, uh, someone like my wife wouldn't have to lift up these heavy blocks and <laughs> put them on the machine anymore. We, it was all done uh, through, through programming at a console. You, you could then create the size of the, the region that you're going to treat from, the, from these different directions. Now, uh, other advances have to do with being able to... Wait, we, we just have oh. to point out, even though the show is audio only... Yeah, poor Gabby has done yeoman's work shepherding uh, 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 Schrodinger's cats. They keep trying to knock over my and microphone. They do, they do their best. She's cat-sitting, and the two cats, is. do we even know which one? Is this Edgar Allan Posey? Yes, this is Edgar. He's very friendly. Has, Elliot is nowhere to be seen. Actually, Edgar Allan has decided that the microphone is a third cat. He just keeps going and headbutting it every single time. <laughs> oh, I am really, really getting in some stretches trying to keep my face away from this cat's butt. He really is insistent on shoving into my face. Uh, that is a very lowbrow addition to this very intellectual conversation. <laughs> and I, now I was going to say about these blocks. I remember visiting you at the hospital and seeing these giant blocks. And didn't somebody had to carve these blocks as well? Who would have done that? That wasn't you. No. 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 But you, you had, I placed them. were having a cameo appearance by my mother, whose your job was to, what, 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 what would you have to do with these giant blocks? I would have to pick them up and kill my back <laughs> and put them on the tray. And it, I'd have to put them in, in the places that the, And you were you were called a radiation technolo therapy technologist. Technologist, but you, you were you were not a nurse in that sense. But in, no. in a sense, you you were the one who was you would set up the patient for yes, the treatment. Absolutely. Yeah. From, from putting them on the table to taking them off. Yeah. The table. And a side note is that if I understand correctly, when you first went into nursing, this is a side total side note, but that you could not get a degree in the United States because women. Oh, that was I went to. Uh, at uh, first, I went to radiology school. I became an X-ray technician, technologist, and then I enjoyed. We had to rotate into the radiation therapy department, and I loved working with the patients. And I liked the work itself better than just taking the X-rays. So I, uh, the doctor, the radiation oncologist, wasn't called a radiation oncologist then. But he suggested that I go to school and get a degree in it. And in the United States, there were no schools. You just learned, like on the job training, from being an x-ray technologist. So I went to uh, the Ontario Cancer Institute in Toronto. I was their only American student. And when I graduated and I came home, I was the first American to take the boards in radiation therapy, so I was kind of the first one that became a registered radiation therapy uh, technology. Wow, that is a cool yeah, line. Yeah, wanted to get it? in there for history, a little history. Um, you had to defect to Canada back then. <laughs> Things have improved. Yes, yes. What's wrong with this country? Um, so uh, back to Dr. Curley. So uh, Gabby, Gabby, what? Uh, questions do you have for the uh, the doctor is still in <laughs> I mean I guess I'm just trying to envision the placement of these lead blocks right um, so I'm sure you know plenty of people in the audience listening have you know gotten that dental x-ray and had like the big kind of thick lead jacket thing placed on them to shield them but this doesn't seem like that since this is shaping the beam itself so is this like a lead insert that you put in front of the emitter that would then prevent beams from traveling forward in a specific pattern or direction. Um, I'm assuming this had to be in some way between 
the emitter and the patient, right? Yeah, that's true. It, uh, it was. It's just what you described. It, it, it was a block. It blocked the beam in certain places and forced uh, and the left, the beam that was left, the, 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 that came through the opening was what was used for treatment. But the, now the beam, the, so I was, I was just curious, the beam was the beam was up on top of the machine or it was on the patient? I'm sorry, the blocks, I mean. Think of it this way. You have a bright light bulb about three feet away from you. Between you and that light bulb, you, you would like to shine that light bulb on a certain part of your body, but you don't want the whole body to, to be lit up. You only want a certain part of it. And so you, you put these blocks in to shade the parts that you don't want the, the, the light to hit. Right. So it's between the light and the body. Yeah. Right. Now, the, I think what Gabby was also getting at is the, how do you decide where to aim, what to hit, what the shape should be. This is the, the, the one of the, this is the primary concern of the, the physician. The, the physician, uh, among other things, he has to know how the body is going to react to the radiation as well. So he has to have a tremendous, he or she has to have a tremendous uh, understanding of how, the, how radiation uh, affects the body in, in different ways. But he also has to know where the disease is. And uh, the Probably one of the, the biggest, the next big uh, innovation was uh, the, the CAT scan, the CT. Well, CAT scan, CAT, cats had to make their way into yeah. um, Being able to identify the tissues that should be treated and the tissues that are involved in, in the disease uh, uh, was aided tremendously uh, by, uh, by the CT. Uh, Computer uh, involvement in treatments has been tremendous since then. There, there are CTs, there is a tremendous amount of diagnostic information that comes from uh, radionuclides that are used to de decide where the, where the disease is, to um, MRIs, which are another way to decide what tissues are at risk and where they're located, to CTs that tell you more about uh, what tissues are involved. All of that information now can be melted together in order to decide where you want uh, to deliver this, the, the radiation. And it's the, the genius and uh, understanding that comes, comes by tremendous amount of experience over the years that, well, that the physicians use to uh, determine what region really needs to be uh, to be treated and to what level. Uh, so in in some of the some of the, the treatments that are delivered, for instance, now are delivered to completely through computer controlled uh, uh, design and uh, direction. You know, directions and and uh, uh, collimation. Um, as if, and, so, and when you say computer design, you mean as opposed to what? Like you used to have to do it by hand with a slide ruler, or what? <laughs> and the, and that then now the computer is able to figure out much more complex paths, that kind of thing. Pretty much like that. In in the earlier days, the diagnostic information had a lot to do with X-rays, a flat X-ray. And that would the physician knew approximately where he wanted to treat, and he he would correlate the region he wanted to treat with external uh, markings on the patient, and those external markings are are how he designed the shape of the fields that he wanted to treat. Now, all of the information about uh, um, where you want to treat is contained within computers, and. Uh, when a physicist pays a lot of attention to positioning and uh, 
being able to transfer information from one mode of uh, uh, diagnosis, diagnostic information to another mode and, and overlap them, you can uh, create your uh, region for treatment uh, by computer and then design your treatment around that. Cool. Gabby, have a, you have a, a final, uh, where does your mind go? What's the biggest question in your mind? Um, I don't think questions, but it's something that I, you know, I might want to address in case it's someone in our audience has a question. Um, so, I mean, you hear a lot in cancer treatment, like radiation and chemotherapy, um, but taking a minute to dissect how they're different. Obviously, you've heard a lot about radiation. Um, chemotherapy is basically just interfering with cancer cells via chemical means, via drug. Um, and sometimes the effect is similar um, to essentially break DNA, to stop DNA replication, to in some way cause the cells to go into crisis in a similar way that radiation is causing. So you might think of it a little bit more as like, you know, radiation is, I don't know, it's, it's a little bit more like direct while chemotherapy is more like a poison kind of situation. Um, but they're both very like invaluable tools and are often used together um, to cure, to treat a cancer. Uh, radiation can't be used uh, in large doses to treat the entire body. So if you have a situation where you suspect that uh, the cancer has uh, spread to other regions of the body and you're not, you may not know exactly where, um, then chemotherapy is uh, the method they use to try to find those cancers because the, uh, the, the chemotherapy agents are designed to uh, be attracted to the, the cancer tissues in some way. That's, that's, that's a whole uh, science in itself as to how you design uh, a chemotherapy agent uh, so that it goes to where it's likely that uh, you'll find that uh, the tissue that, that needs to be treated. Uh, radiation uh, is effective uh, when you can localize most of what you need to treat and uh, identify it and, and uh, surround it with uh, the radiation dose that, that uh, will treat it effectively. So they, yes, sometimes they're used uh, in conjunction because uh, uh, cancer treatment is very much uh, de designed by people who have tremendous experience with how it proceeds. Uh, everybody's a little bit different, as most of us know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the physicians have uh, formed uh, groups, study groups, to take a look at how a t how the treatments are best done in the in their best estimation, uh, and uh, treatment progresses often by saying, "All right, we've seen how this type of treatment will affect a, a particular." Uh, disease, suppose we make such and such a change, will that improve it or not? Will it have more side effects, different side effects, less side effects? Uh, they ask questions like that, but they, they ask it in a very uh, scientific way. They, they try to, to uh, not really taking chances. You don't want to take a chance with a patient by saying, oh, heck, I think I know how to do this better. They get together and, and decide uh, this looks like a, a, a way, we have some indication that this might be a better, uh, an improvement over what we're doing. Let's see how it works and we'll monitor how, how uh, the results of such a decision uh, uh, proceed. And that, that is how um, uh, improvement in the treatments uh, take place in addition to uh, tremendous advances in tools and uh, things at the molecular level that folks like you are doing. Mm -hmm. 
So my, my last question is, what's the future? Like if we look ahead 10, 20, 50 years, what things, where, where do you see the uh, technology going? Like what would be the most amazing thing people can imagine happening? What Nobel Prizes are coming down the pipe? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in cancer treatment, I, it's, it's all done by so many people with so many different ideas that they're trying out. That it's very difficult to say any one thing is going to be the answer. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure you, you've heard people tell you that cancer isn't one thing. It's a multitude of problems uh, that have all been put under the, the, the label of cancer because uh, generally they're related to uh, a system of a biological system that's reproducing itself faster than, than the body can handle. So uh, that can happen in many different ways in many different places and the, the whole body of uh, uh, medical uh, understanding of that process is it's huge and it's uh, being attacked from so many different directions by so many very talented people and uh, the advances uh, you know, you'd like them to be fast but they generally uh, aren't as fast as you want them to be they do it very carefully in our country they have a process that is just wonderful and that in the regard to how they take care to when they make changes, that these changes will be of benefit, not of, not of harm. That's really, I, I like that idea, that idea of looking at, see, I'm used to looking at the magic of advancements through technology by like, you know, Apple suddenly comes out with like, you know, the iPhone has this unbelievable new advancement in the camera that blows me away. And you're saying, yeah, but in the medical field, the, good, the thing to be to admire is, in fact, the carefulness, the slowness with which these advancements are are slowly rolled out. I'm going to guess that just just to throw one thing out there, that one thing is going to have a huge advancement, a huge effect on things that we won't understand until quite a bit after the fact is quantum computing. Would you say that basically that you're talking about computers, the ability to um, I mean, that goes to the whole medical field, I imagine, just the ability to do incredibly complicated simulations of things and to change them dramatically. But that's more of a meta. A meta I like it. We just got we just got a total shrug. Like, yeah, <laughs> quantum computing, whatever. <laughs> it's no radiation treatment. So, Gabby, how about you? Um. What are your uh, What's your takeaway? I don't know, right? Yes. So, I mean, cancer biology is very complex. Frank, you are 100% right in saying that cancer is a lot of different things. That is the main thing I feel like, you know, has to usually be explained with cancer. Um, I mean, maybe this is, is my bias as a, um, as a sort of more molecular cell biology person. Um, but I think a lot of the huge advancements will be specificity. Um, so radiation is a, is a very great tool because it, cells cannot become resistant to radiation. Intrinsically, it always works much the same as stabbing a person always works. Um, or will if you finish the job. Um, but She's a science fiction writer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, being able to combine these with like very, very specific chemotherapies, things that have very little effect on surrounding tissues, much like how, you know, radiation is trying to limit uh, damage to surrounding tissues. I think stuff like that will dovetail incredibly nicely. And uh, like Frank said, it's, it's all the work of, you know, doctors sequentially trying things out and finding better and better methods. Um, so I don't know, maybe some quantum computing doctor might help, but I think a lot of it is just, you know, the work of, of doctors and scientists compounding and synergizing together through time. Yeah, 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 that's true. The power of just all the individual experiments that go on. Amazing. Well, thank you, Dr. Curley. And 
Mrs. Curley. <laughs> You're welcome. For your perspective today, uh, I'm bringing to you. And I know Matt is sorry he, he couldn't be here, and we'll have to have you back because we can have you jive with Matt. Matt builds laser beams. He's also a double. I also tried to get in as many times as possible the fact that he's a double black belt in karate. So he's basically an intensely masculine superhero. He is but, prime supervillain so. material, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so the laser does have a place in some types of uh, cancer treatments. Uh, it's a different process. Uh, it, it's uh, treatment by heat as opposed to, to uh, basically it's the absorption of, uh, of light, lower frequency light uh, in a uh, shorter region. You know, the lasers don't have uh, ability to treat to a greater depth. But they have some some value in some skin type uh, treatments and some uh, because it, it has a use. Because as we know, lasers or phasers can be set to stun. <laughs> that's all. That's I was just one of the greatest advancements on Star Trek. I thought you know we could have weapons that set them to stun. That's how you know how badly how bad the aliens are. Set to stun, eh, they're not so bad. You know, uh, set to kill. Did they ever say set to kill? Set your phasers to kill. Set your phasers to mass murder. You don't see that on Star. That would there's still there's still room for Star Trek to grow. So um, thank you, thank you both for for being with us. Uh, and um, a reminder uh, to all our listeners to uh, join our Patreon program. Uh, the Curlies are members of the Patreon program, which we appreciate very much. We're among the masses. Among the masses, indeed. Um, yeah, we, our Patreon program is is not massless. Unfortunately, it's still a bit wimpy, but uh, this is, I'm just throwing in some physics jokes here. So, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, patreon.com slash what the if join. Uh, you can get all kinds of cool stuff uh, for us. And thank you to all of you who, uh, those of you who know, and those of you who we don't know who are joining. It's tremendously, it's an honor and a privilege to have you helping us support our show for uh, help us do our science education and have science fun. But Gabby, does anything you want to plug? This week, when does any more news on your uh, short story that's coming out? Yeah, yeah, that anthology, it, the release date is just the fall currently. Uh, they don't have a solid one because I'm assuming they have to um, actually map out the end. That's a great science fiction term, the fall. The fall. Yeah. With the fall. Uh, but it is a fall. We don't know. It could be either. Uh, but if you are curious, um, it is available for pre-order on uh, Neon Hemlock's website. It, the anthology is uh, Luminescent Machinations, Queer Tales of Monumental Invention um, by uh, Neon Hemlock. Um, so like I said, it'll be coming out in the fall. And uh, once I have an actual date, uh, that'll be on the site. Is Neon Hemlock a person? It's, that's, it's that's a press, a basically. Part. It's the publication group, which I think is a really banger name. Like, they made a great yeah. name. Absolutely fantastic. One of the best things, by the way, about uh, looking at the girlies now, about having a young person like Gabby on the show is I learn all kinds of vocabulary. So the term, the banger, banger is the new. I could have said also that slaps. That's one of my personal favorites. That slaps. Slaps is great. Slaps is great. I've learned a lot about that. And I've also, I've learned a lot about rock climbing from you as well. So <laughs> tremendous. Good go. Uh, check it out. Neon Humlux. Neon Humlux. Um, for Gabby's uh, upcoming story. And of course, we'll have more information about that. So um, would you, Gabby, would you uh, please help the Curlies um, get warmed up and, and help for anyone in the audience who's new, who has no idea what's about to hit them, understand. And your cats as well, and my cat will join as well. We all join in this kind of, what, what is this closing ritual that's about to happen? Yeah, well, I am sure you guys are very, very familiar with this closing ritual if you are Patreon members and longtime listeners of the show. Um, so, as we are all gathered here together, uh, being fired as a beam out of an x-ray machine, nice. uh, bouncing off of cones of lead, we cannot help but shout the name of the show. What? what? The May all forms of radiation you encounter be benevolent.
is done for the purposes of the goodwill towards mankind and mankind everywhere. And we thank you for tuning in. Matt will be back next week, and we will all see you then. Thanks for listening.